Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Welcome, everyone, to a fresh episode of GTF Gabriel Talks Football. My name is Aldo Gandia, and a quick programming not, note tonight at 8 p.m. Central, it'll be Dan Aguirre, myself, Johnny Santucci, and Chris Watts is going to join us from across the pond to give us uh, some inkling as to what Bears fans can expect if they travel over to London for next year's game. All right, without further ado, let me bring in the man, everybody. Man, we had such a big gathering here, Greg, before the show started with tons of questions already. People are dying to hear what you have to say. But first, before we talk about Chicago Bears, I got to ask you about your Buffalo Bills Congratulations, a stunning vic victory yesterday. Yeah, but I, you know, unfortunately, I think they won the battle and lost the war. Yeah, because they lost a bunch of guys in that game. Uh, and I don't know how bad the uh, the injury situation is, though we'll find out. But here's the best part I mean, you, it didn't look when you, if you watched the game yesterday, you wouldn't have thought they had close to 40 inches of snow in the 36 inches prior. They did a great job cleaning up the floor of the stadium. Now, I sent you a picture and I put out on Exa where my daughter sits and how much snow was there. That's what it was like inside the entire stadium. Mm -hmm. So they never even got an opportunity. They didn't have time to, to clean out the, they cleaned the aisles. They didn't clean the rows. Right. But how about this? Forecast over the next 48 hours is another three feet. Oh, no, three feet. Oh, my oh, God. <laughs> that's what they just had. So they're going to have oh six feet God. of snow in a one-week period. And, they, you know, Kansas City's coming to town out. Now, if it hits according to the forecast, by Thursday night, it'll be already out, and the game's not till Sunday night. You'll have, you know, three days to, to clean it up. Mm -hmm. And But you don't really park there with available you know about a third of the parking is across the street from the stadium where they're building the new stadium so that's that all that parking has been eliminated and then obviously all the snow they took out from the floor of the stadium goes out into the parking lot so that took away a lot of parking spots so they've been having people there's some malls nearby park at the malls and the bills were having shuttle buses going back and forth from those malls. And, and that was at the bill's expense, which is nice of them. But you can see they had a full, full crowd there. They'll have a full crowd again this Sunday against uh, uh, Kansas City. Little snow is not going to bother anybody in Buffalo. This is in December and January. Lake effect snow is just something that you know is going to happen. And the funny part about it, where I lived and I lived, north of the city we might get one day we might get two inches three inches of snow every once in a while if the wind shift you'd get whacked but the south of the city where the stadium is 
that's in the snow belt, the beginning of the snow belt. They could get 16 inches and we could be sunny where I lived. And wow. the difference is 12, 13 miles. It's just, it's just crazy. The difference is uh, a couple of million dollars in the bank, right? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it's just, it, it's nuts. And then people are saying, well, they got to have a dome. And as a lot of people pointed out, a dome wouldn't have made a damn bit of difference. Because it's the travel. And, and the new stadium, yeah, it's the travel. <laughs> you know, the, the, the snow did not affect the game. The mm -hmm. snow affects the travel. And so, uh, and they don't want to build a dome, and they're not going to build a dome. In fact, the the new stadium is the architects are the same as that Tottenham Stadium where they're playing a bunch of NFL games over in London. It's going to be a very very similar, you know, it's going to almost be like the old Cowboy Stadium that, but the cover is not going to be as as big as there. Uh -huh. But the, the the fans are going to be pretty much shield. But the the floor of the stadium is not. Okay. Wow. Well, um, so next week, who is it that they have? The, it's the Chiefs, Kansas right? City, uh, 6.30 Eastern, so 5.30 our time, uh, Sunday night. It's the last game. And they, they had to do it. They had to be fair because Buffalo was playing Monday. That game got pushed back. Right, right, yeah. Interesting. All right, let's turn our attention to our Chicago Bears. News came out late last week that the Bears had fired Cliff Stein. Uh, for those who don't know, Greg, who is Cliff Stein? Well, he was a senior vice president and corporate counsel. For, you know, everybody knows of Cliff as the cap guru. That was a small part of his job. In, in recent years, when, when, when Cliff, Cliff first came here, and that was in January 2002. So he came here about six months after we did, seven months after we did. Um, he was strictly the cap guy. And then, you know, he is an attorney by nature. He was an agent before we hired him. Uh, he As he got well-known, and like within the organization, his responsibilities grew. And in recent years, especially like when Ryan Pace came, Ryan wanted his own uh, cap guy. So Joey Lane was doing that. And Cliff was doing all the corporate lawyer type work. And he was involved in everything. Been very involved in the, in the uh, stadium project. Put it this way. Anything where they needed a legal mind, he was involved. A uh, very important part of the uh, organization, I know for a fact, loved by the McCaskey family, um, loved by anybody that, that knows him. He's a hard worker. He's very quiet, um, but he knows his stuff. He's revered around the league, uh, very well respected around the league. You know, he's done stuff, never takes credit for everything. You know why there's all rookies get four-year contracts now? Cliff Stein. He's the guy who started that. Okay, you know why there's a a signing bonus cap on undrafted free agents after the draft? Cliff Stein, he's the guy that you know initiated all that stuff. You know, I must have gotten six or seven texts Saturday night, Sunday morning from people around the league that I know, and some former 
employees in the league and, and high ranking. One was a, a president and they all said basically the same thing. WTF are they doing? There is nobody better than Cliff. And but I get it. You know, Kevin Warren can have whatever he wants. From what I understand, he wants to have his own legal team in there. That's that's his prerogative. I don't agree, especially when you got a man who's got, you know, almost 22 years of experience on the job and the connections that he has made in the Chicago community, especially from a legal standpoint, you know, the stuff. So and and now, now you knew this. People on the show didn't know this. So we're letting the cat out of the bag. Pretty much a good part of the last three years, I've been working for the Bears as a consultant. Okay, since literally three days after the um, the XFL folded in, not stopped their season, but actually went bankrupt. So that was like in April or early May of uh, 2020. A couple days later, I got a call from Cliff, and he said, uh, got a proposal for you. You interested? And I said, well, yeah. Depends what it is and what they wanted to use me for. And I, of course, did it and had a ball doing it. And I had previous experience in this type of thing in a private case. I was involved in the workman's comp cases as an expert witness. And so what does that entail? Well, in, in Illinois, the workman's comp laws for employee are very pro-employee and, for lack of a better term, anti-corporation, okay? You can hit the jackpot if you're the employee. And, and I have no problem with that. And here's what, what the problem was and, and what the Bears were trying to fight is that a professional athlete was being treated as if he was a carpenter or a plumber or whatever and, you know, could get benefits till he's 65 years old you know, from a workman's comp claim and what professional athlete is, has a career that goes to at least 65 years old, unless he's on the senior golf tour, right. you know? So, um, you know, some of it was ridiculous. So I got involved in, in, in a bunch of cases, uh, had to go to trial only once because it got into COVID. So everything was done like we're doing this over zoom or whatever. And, and which made it interesting, but I got deposed a number of times. What was interesting is that, you know, for every case I did, I did, I had to sign a new contract. I didn't have an open-ended contract. So I got assigned to certain case, um, you know, player A versus the Chicago Bears, had to sign a contract for that, keep track of my time. I got paid li- literally by the quarter hour. And, you know, so I had, a, I had to keep track of my time as if I was an attorney and I was working with the Bears workman's comp attorney all the time. You know, I just had to, if I needed anything, I had to go to Cliff. And, you know, so really the, the only communication I had with people in, in Hallis were Cliff and, and Ted Phillips. Okay. All right. So Cliff hired you, but for the most part, you were working with the with the workman's comp attorney day to day. Yes, yeah. Right. In fact, I just talked to him today. Um, now that you know, about a year ago, that kind of dried up. Um, not because the attorney wanted it to dry up, 
you know, insurance companies being insurance companies, they don't like, they want to make money. They don't like paying money. And I wasn't cheap. So <laughs> I was getting a pretty good chunk of change for this. So they were like, well, he showed you how to do it. Now you do it type thing. And, and there were still some cases that were pending. Now with Cliff gone, who knows? Because that's that could change everything. I mean, that could change the guy I worked. He, he could be on the outside looking in because whoever takes over Cliff's job could have the guy he wants to do it. And this guy's been doing this stuff for the Bears for well over 20 years. You know, so, uh, but the whole situation, regardless, it pisses me off because it, it shouldn't have happened. He's a good person who works real hard, gave everything to that organization, went through cancer about 16, 17 years ago, never missed a day. And uh, like I say, he's revered around the league, and I don't think there's a soul in the world that dislikes him. Mm-hmm. But hey, the new boss didn't want him. My own take is it was a bit of a threat because Cliff was a finalist for that job. Oh, and, you know, so, you know, it got down to like Cliff and Kevin. Now there might've been another one. I don't know, but Cliff yeah. was involved. Okay. All right. Okay. So, but now from what I understand also, that's only the beginning. There's more to come hmm. in, other, you know, areas that are not football related. I don't want to get into all of it, but. Okay. Um, there's put it this way. I don't have any hard concrete mm-hmm. information. I've just got what some people have told me. And, um, if you put one and one together, you're going to get two. Mm-hmm. And if it does happen, we'll comment because it's pretty obvious why it happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you already know what I'm talking about. Yes, I do. So, and I think you agree with me. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, well, well, we'll see, but I don't, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to keep that part quiet right now. Yeah, and if and when it happens, we'll, we'll hopefully talk about it. And I got to you- say one other thing. Please. Even though, okay, I, I, I was a consultant with the Bears. That did not give me access to anything that was going on football wise inside the building. Mm-hmm. I didn't, you know, I, do I know people in there that I could talk to? Yes. Do I talk to them? Yes. But that job that I was doing was, I, you know, I concentrated on that job and that had nothing to do with football operations. Mm-hmm. So um, when Jay Sanders says uh, Cliff Stein was Greg's source, uh, that's, that's bullshit because a lot of times Cliff doesn't know. Right, right. And, and in fact, if if you want to talk about this, I think you said you were, were going to talk about that. You actually provided information to the Bears about certain players. Is that correct? Okay, yeah. I got a call, and I, I would not have divulged this had Cliff still been there. And the call I got, I'm not going to say who called me. But I got a call, it was January 3rd. And as everybody knows on my social media, I had put out some stuff 
didn't get down into the nitty gritty, nor will I ever, or at least not now, get down into the nitty gritty. That there's there's issues that got to be checked out with Caleb Williams. Not taking anything away from his talent. He's a very talented football player. Mm-hmm. Okay, we know that. But is he the guy that you want to be the face of your franchise? Is he a leader? Is he going to be well-liked, well-respected uh, within the locker room by the coaching staff, by the people in, in Hallis Hall, et cetera? Okay. I've been doing this since 1981. I got a network of people that around the league that is enormous. Okay. Current general managers, former general managers, current scouts, current player personnel directors, college coaches around the country. My network is enormous. Okay. I don't put out stuff unless it's absolutely true. I don't put out rumor. So there's, you know, there's stuff on Caleb. And I'll say this there's no criminality. He's not a bad person. Okay. But there's some issues. And so when I got this call, I said, look, we know you got some stuff. Will you share it with us so we can compare it with what our guys already have? I said, absolutely. So I told them. So they know what I know. And they've known since January 3rd. Mm-hmm. Now, does that mean they're going to take them or not going to take them? I'm on, I told them, no, they're going to do their own homework. And they're going to make a decision. You know, last year at this time, the consensus was, you know, before Ryan Poles made the trade was that, you know, they might take Jalen Carter. They might take Will Anderson or whatever, and they could trade the pick, you know, who knows what's going to happen. But if they kept the pick, you know, it was like Jalen Carter. Well, Jalen Carter didn't pass the character test. Okay. And, and what it came to light when he left the scene of the one accident person got killed and other stuff. And then, People around the league already knew there was issues, okay, and that that you had to do your your research on them, and that's what a good fifty percent of the scouting process is about. It's getting the proper information so that you can make the proper selection. Sometimes you have to pass on really good players because you don't want to deal with the issues. The issues can come back and haunt you. Why do you think they passed on Pickens, the wide receiver? Because mm-hmm. Pickens has got issues. They've been all over the place in the last, this this whole season. You know, his, his different issues, he's a pain in the ass, he's a diva, he's an I me, my guy, he won't, he can't block a drunk off a bar stool, you know, doesn't go all out on routes when he's not going to be the one or two, you know, just, but he's got talent. You know, there's no question about it. But do you want that guy on your team? Well, when when you set standards and there's certain things you look for, you got to say no. Okay, we got burned when I was here by Michael Haynes. Michael Haynes was a great kid. What we didn't know, and part of it was he went to Penn State and you couldn't get good information at Penn State when Joe Paterno was there. Mm -hmm. Was it... We didn't know that he didn't love football. 
Uh, he was the the defensive MVP in the Senior Bowl. Had a great career, but once he signed a contract, he didn't give a shit. You know, and and it cost us. You know, we ended up trading him for for pittance. Uh, ended up being a bad pick, a wasted first round pick. That's on us. But that's what happens when you don't have all the information. Mm-hmm. So come April. If there's a player that y'all want to have and you and they pass, there's a reason why they pass. Could be character, could be scheme, could be, uh, could be medical. Things. Yes, could be medical, right. Uh, that's one that... Like fans- I, I heard some people the other day on, on the radio saying, well, we've got to get those defensive tackles from Texas. Why? They don't fit the scheme. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you better find people that can work within your scheme. That's very, very important within the National Football League right now. Okay. So that's all I got to say about that. Where are we going next? Well, I, I've got a couple of questions from people regarding the Kevin Warren, Cliff Stein issue. For instance, Slick Sophistication asks, what is Kevin Warren trying to accomplish? He's trying to run the, the football franchise the way he wants to run the football franchise. I, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know the man. So I, you know, that's something I can't answer. Did he have full right to do what he did? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. He's president of the organization. If he wants to make changes, he can. I don't agree with that one. I'm allowed not to agree. I'm allowed to have my opinion. Okay. Mm-hmm. And especially when it's a good friend. Yeah. Well, you know, what's interesting, too, and uh, I know you've experienced this throughout your professional career. I've experienced this in the corporate world. Generally, when you get a new president, CEO, top honcho, they want to bring in their own people, just like a head coach wants to bring in their own people. And perhaps this is Warren's number one motivation. As you said, perhaps he wasn't comfortable with Cliff Stein, a guy who – was angling to try to get that job, or at least angling may not be the best word, uh, interviewed for that job. So you want to have an, an, an environment where you, you being Kevin Warren, want to feel totally at, safe and comfortable, and, and perhaps that's what this, the motivation is. I'm just that, that, That's I mean, that's totally fair statement. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you can't argue it. But I, I got to go back to one thing. I just got to reiterate. Because okay. one person said Cliff was my source. Okay. Cliff is an attorney. If you know one thing about attorneys, they don't freaking say a word. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay. They, <laughs> you could ask questions. You could ask questions. There's one time last spring, and I said, you know, in, in, in free agency. And they had already signed a bunch of guys. I just, you know, I jokingly said, oh, Cliffy, you need one more edge player. And he, and he goes, wait about two hours. And that's the only time, never said a, na- a name. I mean, they were, they were working on the deal. And, uh, but that's it. And, and, but I, you know, first of all, I respect him enough not to ask anything because mm-hmm. I already know he ain't going to say anything. Yeah. You know, you, you know what your bounds are. 
you know, he could be the best man at my wedding. That doesn't mean you got to tell me shit. Right. You know, <laughs> it's very true. I've had experiences like that too. So, um, you, you mentioned how beloved Cliff is and uh, his closeness with the McCaskey family. Are you surprised that George McCaskey or somebody uh, from the family didn't uh, veto that? Or have they? perhaps this is an example. They're, they're running. We hire them to run it. If they're, we don't may, may not like the decision, it's their decision. That's right. You got it. That's my take anyway. Yeah. And I we, think we, this would, we hired you to, to do a certain job. I got to let you do that job. Right. And I think this is further evidence that the McCaskies do not interfere with football operations. If they're holding, giving Kevin Warren all of that responsibility and authority, then they have probably done that with the GMs in the past. Um, yeah. I, well, I, you know, I, I only can speak from my experience. And we, you know, did they know what we were going to do? Absolutely. But did they put the kibosh on it? No. Yeah. And that's, that's a great point. I'd like for you to talk a little bit more about if you can is the informing of management of ownership, I should say. Uh, when, when it's a general manager, a scouting director, the, the football operations decision makers, it's their, obligation to go to management and say, we're going to do this, you know, and some management people might interfere and some don't. Your experience with the Chicago Bears is that they do not interfere, right? Yeah. I mean, that was, I was there nine and a half years. That's my entire experience. I know that like when it came to the draft, um, the day before or two days before the draft, we would, sit in Jerry's office, Jerry, myself, Ted, and Michael McCaskey, because mm-hmm. he was chairman at that time. And we would tell them, this is our plan for the draft. This is what we hope to do. You know, we got fallback plans of, you know, such and such isn't there. And we'd go through the whole scenario. We'd open it up to questions, any questions they had on what our plans were. We'd answer those questions. You know, we might meet for two hours. And they were fully aware of what we were trying to accomplish and and gave us their blessing. Mm -hmm. But they did not get involved in, you know, on draft day with who we're going to take. We took who we wanted to take. Yeah. And I'd be surprised if that's changed at all over the years. Um, a couple of more questions here uh, regarding this topic. Bears and cigars. So Warren is sacrificing good people for his ego. Doesn't surprise me that he fits right in on the Bears staff. You want to comment on that? No, I can't comment. And I, I, I don't know the man. I, I've got my own feelings, but I'm going to keep my own feelings to myself. I'll tell you something that I was told by a person around the league mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. when we get done, but I'm not going to put that out because that's one person's take right. and what he strongly believes. Okay. But, you know, it would not be fair for me to say that. Right. So I won't, you know, I'm not going to, not, I'm not going to say something that I could be held to. Right. 
Uh, one more, I think, common question on this topic uh, comes from Flex Diggs. The McCaskies are marks for grifters, always have been. They don't know squat about football, and they fall for anyone with a good line of bullshit. Your thoughts? I, I don't know, you know, exactly what he means by that. I know from a standpoint of resume, uh, Kevin Warren has a damn strong resume. Mm -hmm. I mean, even he was commissioner of the, the Big Ten Conference, which is one of the strongest, one of the two strongest conferences, if not the strongest conference in, in, in college sports. Um, you know, he's been an executive for two other franchises in the National Football League. I mean, he's mm -hmm. got you know, the, the, the clout he's got, the know-how he's got, the experience, um, you know, can you agree with everything he does? You don't have to. Are you going to agree with everything I say? No. Am I going to agree with everything you say? No, but you know, you accept it. Right. And, and that, that's what it is. So I, you know, I, I, as far as that, that guy's, I mean, I appreciate his comment. Mm -hmm. And and if he wants to feel that way, that's his prerogative. But I can't say he's right, wrong, or indifferent because I don't know. Yeah. I'm going to share this comment with you because it's related to something you put up on social media. Zach says, F him, Greg. F him. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> the reason I, I, I'd like you to respond to that is because your initial reaction to the firing of Cliff Stein, you were very upset. And at one point you kind of expressed disdain for the organization how do you feel now that you've had a few days removed from the announcement and the emotional reaction that you had then well i've only had one one post on on x that's even been slightly related i might have i might have reposted or retweeted a couple things that other people said mm -hmm. um you know i commented when Josh Allen took the late hit and 15 yard penalty in, in the second half. And I said, and that happened to Justin Fields every game and he never got the flag. And every time, it, and, and Josh, it was a deserving flag. Yeah. But Fields yeah. always got it worse. Oh my gosh. You know, and, and so that, that's the only thing. And hey, look, I worked there for a long time. I'm going to be a fan. I want them to win. I think the world of Ryan Poles. Mm -hmm. And I, I, you know, I did post that on X. I said, this guy has a great plan. He is going to be, um, he's going to put this team together in a way that the fans are going to be proud. But Chicago being Chicago is, you know, everybody wants it yesterday. Mm -hmm. And it takes time. He stripped down the team a year ago. Now he's going to go forward. Okay, so now you got a big debate going on. Are they going to take the quarterback or not? My gut feeling is, based on who they've interviewed so far for the offensive coordinator, is Justin Fields is going to be the quarterback next year. Mm -hmm. You know, they've interviewed five, or at least it's been put out that they've, uh, if they haven't interviewed them, they're going to interview them, five different people. Four of those five are all from the Shanahan McVay scheme. Okay. And why is that? To keep things simple for the players that are here, including the quarterback. The transition is simple. Okay. Yesterday they interviewed Greg Roman, who obviously has a very good reputation and has a history 
of having success with a very athletic quarterback. And also a quarterback who couldn't hit water from a boat when he was coming out of college. Yeah. And and now can. (laughs) Yeah. So what does that tell you? You know, it's not very hard to say one and one equals two. And then I go back to the, um, the press conference and between Ryan Poles, Matt Eberflus, and Kevin Warren, there was, by my count, at least five votes of confidence for Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. Now, could that change? And here's where it could change. Whoever they hire as offensive coordinator has to buy into JF. If he's not buying into JF, he isn't going to be here. Because you can't you can't shove a guy down a, a coach's throat. It won't work. But you know, so that could be the only way, in my opinion, that that's going to change. Now, could I be a hundred percent wrong? Absolutely, I could. I'm just I'm going on what my instincts tell me based on what's happening. Very good. We're going to talk more about Justin Fields momentarily. There's one or two more things I want to address regarding. This front office stuff. Tim makes a comment here. Um, he writes, in the end, Warren and Pose have no previous ties to Stein. They're going to bring in their guys. Pay started to diminish Stein's role when he brought in his own cap guys. I want you, um, I, I think you told me this or I read it in the newspaper or, or on the internet newspaper. Um, it, it, uh, uh, Pace was very, very complimentary towards Cliff Stein when he helped to train his guy, Joey Lane, to, to the contracts and found him so valuable that he didn't fire him. Is, is that well, correct? Well, number one, he, okay, we got a friend. He couldn't fire him. Okay. 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 That's right. Okay. And because he was right. the corporate counsel for the, for the team. Gotcha. And, and in reality – when Joey came in and Cliff lost that role, mm-hmm. his responsibilities didn't decrease. They increased by an immense amount because then he got more and more and more involved with the legal issues uh, with everything pertaining to the bears. Mm-hmm. And that is, you know, that's stuff you never read in the paper. You don't know about, you know, like when they were having those town meetings in your town about the stadium. Well, who the hell was doing that? Ted and Cliff. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. You know, and, and, you know, and, and the same thing, Cliff was a spokesman for the organization Mm -hmm. and he knew what the hell was going on, was going on. I I have one other thing I want to throw out there, and this is pure speculation on my part. Kevin Warren at the press conference really started to talk up the possibility or, you know, the, the fact that building a stadium in Chicago would be great for the city of Chicago, you know, the lakefront view, all the neighborhoods, all the culture, all this, all that. And so I wonder if Cliff Stein isn't thinking hey, we just spent all of this money on this Arlington Heights property. We have to make this work. And Kevin is saying, well, I'm opening up the door to all options. This is the way I negotiate. This is the way I do it. And perhaps there was some friction there 
some disagreement. Friction may be too strong of a word. And Kevin said, you know what? I'm taking over now. I, I've, I've done my one year of checking out the entire operation, and you're not a part of the team because we don't see eye to eye on this stadium issue. Possibility? Possibility. I, uh, you know, I can't, I can't answer yay or nay because I, I, I don't know the answer to that. You know, I have to ask the question. And there's things that at least now I'm not asking. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just not right for me to do. Uh, like I said, I've had several text conversations with Cliff. Uh, I have not spoken to him. And I probably won't for a little while. You know, let him. I, I do not think he'll be out of work very long because I, I know what his reputation is. And there's going to be, you know, as some of these new situations get sorted out around the league, all of a sudden there could be somebody calling Cliff, you know, the role. And it wouldn't shock me if he ended up in the league office because I know Ooh. what they think of him there. So, you know, I, again, I, I'm throwing a dart at the wall, I admit it. But all right, last I know what people think of it. <laughs> <laughs> Last question, and then we'll oh, move one, on. To one other party. thing, please. I think again, I'm 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 just guessing this. Okay. I don't think there's any way in hell there's going to be a, a a stadium in downtown Chicago. I think this is all, and part of it was the thing they they spent what two hundred million dollars for that plot of land down the street from you, and um and they can sell it. I don't mm -hmm. know if they can sell it at a profit, but they can sell it. I'm sure there's developers that would want to do something with it. But the expense of building a stadium downtown versus the expense of building a stadium in Arlington Heights would be like crazy difference. Yes. And um, it, it I, I, I think what... Kevin is doing here is he, he's playing politics, mm -hmm. just like the politicians are playing with him. They want more tax money and he isn't about to pay it. And I don't blame him for that. Mm -hmm. Why should the value of that property that is vacant right now and had a racetrack on it for years, all of a sudden, you know, they got to pay double the taxes on it. That's ridiculous. That's greed on the politicians part. Yeah. So, um, I think once that gets squared away, and it eventually will, that that's where the stadium is going to be. I mean, to they they want to control the stadium so they can do what they want with that stadium, and then build up everything around it. They can't do that downtown. That's right. So the master plan isn't there. You can say it. You can give it lip service. What is that lip service? Pressure on the politicians in Lake County and the town of Arlington Heights. That's my, my take anyway. All right. Uh, we spent uh, 40 minutes on this topic. Let's move on to Bears football. And we've got tons of questions here. Um, so this is we're going to be jumping all over the place here because I haven't organized these. Uh, Ninja asks, we can beat the Vikes in the Lions. Should the draft be tailored to beat the Packers? We are not going anywhere until we can beat them. Greg, in your history with 
drafting uh, for the New York Giants, for the Chicago Bears, et cetera, et cetera. Have you ever sat down and said, okay, we need to get these types of players to beat the number one team in an, in our division? Yeah, but not necessarily directly. Okay. You're trying to make your team the best team it can be, and you know what you need in certain areas to be better. Mm-hmm. You know, like I've, I've been preaching all season. They have to draft a young edge. It's the, the only position of the key positions that they haven't drafted in Ryan's first two drafts. And what did Floos talk about really at length in the presser? An edge. You know, it's one of those high picks is going to be an edge. Like it or not, it's going to be an edge. Yeah. And, and there's some pretty good ones. I just hope the guy I think is the best one Gets through the medical. By the way, there was a, uh, and I think Jacob and Fanny retweeted it. There was a um, a video of him doing some bag work and stuff. And yeah. I don't know if you saw it. I did. He's a he's a freaking rocket ship now. And the the one thing, and I and I apologize if I uh, said it before, and I'm repeating myself, is that you know last year, so the 2022 season. He was wearing a small collar attached to his pads. You know, he had to get a close-up to see it. It wasn't like those big yes. things like that uh, Villapiano used to wear with the, the Raiders. <laughs> right, right. Uh, you know, that big round collar. But it was a yeah. tiny thing. This year, that was gone. Mm-hmm. And he's gone two straight years without any issues. And I know with, with some clubs, that is important. When you're, <coughs> excuse me. That's okay. Please, we're right getting ahead. to that time again. Yeah, it happens um, every time around this time. No, it, it, it happens when I start talking a lot. Um, so anyway, I know that's important that there hasn't been issues, but they're still going to do X-rays and MRIs, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know they're going to look at well, there a any way prognosis where this guy could end up being paralyzed or, or something like that, or, or, you know, subject himself to serious injury. Well, reality is you, you sign up to play the sport of football. You're, you're signing up for a serious injury. That's part of the game. Mm-hmm. But you know, if it, if the chances become a lot greater because of a pre-existing condition, then the doctors, you know, could very well red flag him. And as I've said several times before, there are going to be teams that are going to pass him, and there's going to be teams that are going to flunk him. It, it's going to vary, and that's and it's just like <clears throat> grades that we put on players. Not every team has the same grade on every player, right. and so it it just you know it's it. It's subjective. You know, you just you just don't know. Um, Ninja has a thought on Justin Fields, and this is a, a saying that I've heard for many years. Uh, a GM once said that if you're going into your third year and don't know if you have a quarterback, it means you don't have a quarterback. Your thoughts? Well, I get the saying, 
And I'm going to go back to what, and remember, I was real critical after game, game three. And then I did an about face. And I'm of firm belief that this kid has not been coached since the day he walked into this league. Starting with Matt Nagy as a rookie, then the last two years with Janako uh, and Getze. Mm-hmm. And so, and the offense wasn't utilized to help him in any way and play to his strengths. Mm-hmm. So we see flashes, throws, and things that are like very few people can do. The talent is there. But I'll go back to what I said a little while ago. Whoever ends up getting the OC job has got to buy in. And if he's not buying in, he's not going to be here. I can disagree. You can disagree. We all can disagree. Or, you know, jump on the table and go, yay. You know, he's going to have a lot of say in what happens. But I'll qualify it this way. If the decision makers want JF to be here, then they ain't picking a coach that don't want him. <laughs> you know, that only stands to reason, right? Yes, absolutely. Okay, but now if, if, if you got, okay, there's been five guys interviewed or about to be interviewed so far. There's going to be at least one more, probably a few more. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're all like, I can't do anything with them. I can't fix them. Okay, then, okay, now it's, it's like you got some strong opinions here. And all I'm trying to do is, is be fair with, you know, what, what, what's going on here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Jimmy, Tony uh, wants you to explain all of Fields' flaws, the indecision, the slow release, drifting into pressure. If he's as talented as so many people think that he is, why is it taking him so long to fix these flaws? Well, one guy that I respect who I had a long conversation with last week, and he spent the night before, not the night before, the day before, mm-hmm. doing Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Stroud, Justin Fields, and Herbert. So pretty good clump of quarterbacks. And he said, there's only there's one flaw you got to fix with him. And everything revolves around that. And I said, well, is it a mental thing or a physical? He goes, it's strictly physical. He goes, and it's easy. And he goes, the fact that they didn't fix it, those guys should never, ever get a coaching job in the NFL again. That's a quote. That's fascinating. fascinating. Okay. The problem, according to him, is his setup is notoriously slow. And yes. that is so easy to fix whether he's playing from under center or mm-hmm. even when he's in the gun. Now, this guy would play him from under center a lot more. He thinks he'd be a lot better from under center. And if you look at, at the this offense that they play, they're predominantly the, the quarterback is under center, not in the gun. You know, so, but he said 
if you, when you compare them, when you don't back to back to back to back to back, it's like these guys are lightning quick coming back from under center. And Justin's like in slow motion. And so what it does is it slows down the play right from the snap. Yes. Okay. And he goes, all they got to do is train that. He goes, it's easy to do. And he'll be far more efficient. That, I mean, it's like so simple. That's like, uh, why weren't they doing it? Yes. Yes. You know, I, uh, when I was a kid, I, I was fascinated with football strategy. And I bought the book uh, written by Bill Walsh that he gave all these tips on coaching and stuff. And one of the things in that book was the three, five, seven step drop. So that's where I learned about that. And, and I'll never forget in, in that book, he talks about getting, doing those three, five, seven step drops quickly. So that you you are set up and ready to make a decision on your throw as quickly as possible. And when so when I see Justin Fields, very you know, lackadaisical isn't the right word, but you know, too slow, and and getting to that uh, launch point, it, it worries me. And so it's interesting that your uh, source told you that. Yeah, but you know, I mean, you know, what's interesting is is and I keep going back. How do they not see that? Yeah. You know, or think I it's mean, a, maybe it's, they see it and don't maybe yeah, they see it, it and don't elementary. think it's a big deal. Yeah, but it is because it's, it throws the timing of everything off. You're going back and you're playing from under center, so you get the snap and now you're going back. Your eyes aren't necessarily going forward. Mm -hmm, okay, mm -hmm. and it takes you a half second longer or whatever to get to that three step or that five step or maybe it's even three quarters of a second or whatever. Do you know how much can happen? In that play, as far as the routes and a guy being open initially versus the, the, the defensive back being able to recover and start to close, there's a lot. And so it sets back the timing of the play. And in fairness to Justin, if his coach isn't pointing that out to him and say, we got to do this better. How the hell is he supposed to know? He can guess, I guess, but it, it, it's just, you know, that's the first thing this guy said to me. It's he goes, Craig, it's so easy. <laughs> he goes, it's so obvious. Yeah, hopefully that guy will get you know, in there. I'll tell you the other thing he said. He said, playing quarterback in Chicago is not easy. Now, he was not aware that they're going to build a stadium, but that's still – you know, it's six years before they play a state, uh, you know, play in a new stadium. He said the two toughest places to play in the league for quarterback are Chicago and Cleveland. And he said, do you want to know why? I said, why? And he goes, and I won't even say Buffalo. Buffalo stadium is a good five, six miles from the lake. Chicago and Cleveland are sitting on the lake. It mm -hmm. changes everything. Yeah. And, and, and he's, yeah, uh, and he I, said, go ahead. I was just going to say, and it affects the turf too. A lot of people have complained yeah. about the turf being slippery. That dew that the lake creates on that turf is constant. Please he said he was with, this goes back a little bit, with an opposing team coming in here to play. And he said, you know, it was like a, late October, early November game. And, you know, I was here at the time, 
So I think I can remember because I know the opponent. Um, he said the wind was awful. And he said we had to throw out the game plan mm -hmm. the morning of the game because we couldn't do a damn thing that we had planned to do because of the wind. He said the guy goes out there to warm up, and he goes, he could not throw the ball. He couldn't throw a three-yard out in that wind. And um, now when you're playing in it every week, it's a little bit different. He goes, but it just makes it so damn difficult for anybody to play. You know, everything's got to be right for, you know, you to excel playing in that stadium. Yeah. And I said, you know, well, they're going to build a dome here. And he goes, oh, that'll change everything. It'll be a whole different <laughs> ballgame. Yeah. Maybe they'll build a dome. <laughs> Bears I'll be dead. I, 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 you know, I, I don't think I'll, I'll be dead before that happens. Yeah, yeah, you and I will be buried side by side. Bears Country Productions has got a new job. My man, Mr. Shorty, has got a new job here in uh, he's in training in Chicago, and he stopped this training to ask this question. How about Josh McDaniels for offensive coordinator? And then he goes on to remind us oh. that, that he hired, McDaniels hired Flus. This correct? McDaniels had 12 seasons with top 10 offense, and he wouldn't leave for a head coaching position. But plus, he hired Flus in Indy. He did not hire Flus. Chris Beller so. did. Okay, the GM. Yes, and that is becoming more and more a trend. Yeah. In in the league, where the the GM and I, I don't know if we touched on it last week, and say, well, why can't the coach? Well, you know, coaches got tunnel vision when it comes to. Mm -hmm. their tree it's guys they work with and friends and stuff like that but you know and i told you that we we send our scouts out to scout coaches right and their awareness of who's good not good and whatever is probably a little better than some coaching candidates mm -hmm. and but if you go back to First of all, McDaniels never signed a contract and never took that job. He had verbally accepted the job. But Chris, and he hired Flus through the recommendation of Marinelli um, and Lovey, because he, Chris, you know, loved the scheme. Mm -hmm. You know, he basically told McDaniels, this is your DC. And these are, you know, he hired those guys. And then, you know, he was like, okay, so the, the Patriots are in the Super Bowl. And then McDaniels changes his mind. And, you know, I remember talking to Chris right after he could, because some rumors came out that day. And he just said, he said the conversation was about 10 seconds. He said, McDaniels called him and Chris answered and said, are you here or not? And he said, he started the box. He said, you're not. Boom, hung up the phone. <laughs> and then, so he, you know, then he had to go out and, and get another coach. And he, and he got Frank. Mm -hmm. But then he had already hired a bunch of these coaches. You know, and, and they had to stay. Now, he had, he had McDaniel's blessing on those hiring but he was the guy that did it i mean mcdaniel's an offensive coach he's not gonna you know know exactly 
who are the best defensive guys to hire all the time. Right, right. Um, Slick Sophistication asks, are you worried about the leadership at Hallis Hall? No. I mean, it, 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 as far as what? I mean, football area, I think they're in great shape with Ryan Poles. I think the world of Ryan Poles. Mm -hmm. Okay, I think Ryan Poles has got a good mind. Um, he's got a good plan. He's very intuitive. He's very smart. Uh, and he knows what he wants to get accomplished, how to do it. And he's been, and I know the people that have taught him. And so he's been taught by really, really good people. So, yeah, I think, you know, as far as, you know, I, I can't speak for Kevin Warren. I don't know Kevin Warren. Sure. You were impressed with his press conference. I, I recall you yeah, saying that. Yeah, hey, I'll show. tell you, you know, he, he, he could sell you a lake in a desert. Now. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> Derek uh, opines that the main reason Cliff is gone is he was close to the ownership. And I've seen that happen before. People being fired because they were afraid that that person might go and leak information and say things. I don't understand why Kevin's doing this. And, and that could create. Uh, you know, I, I, I can understand the comment, but, you know, I've known Cliff 22 years. I know the type of person Cliff is. Mm -hmm. And Cliff isn't a loose lips guy at all. Yeah. Cliff is as pro company as you can get. His loyalties are with the people he works for. And, and, and that's the way I am. You know, Jerry Angelo hired me. My initial loyalty was to Jerry Angelo, not to Ted Phillips, not to Michael McCaskey. It's Jerry Angelo. Jerry Angelo is the guy I answered to. He's the guy who hired me. Future guest, Jerry Angel. <laughs> uh, J2K. Uh, big dog. <laughs> J2K wants to know, were there red flags with Claypool? Um, did uh, polls overlook any potential red flags, or were there no red flags? Yeah, I, I, I can't answer that. Um, I know a lot of people at Notre Dame, and I know coming out, there was no red flags. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whether something developed at Pittsburgh, I don't know entirely. I know people that work there. I know Kevin Colbert, who I've known. We both came into the league at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I know Kevin very, very well. Kevin was totally sold on, and he flat out told me, you know, on, on, on Claypool. Um, I think part of it had to do with, you know, they took Pickens and he had a change, you know, right after that draft, Kevin ran that draft where they took Pickens, but then he stepped down and he had a new GM who had been there. You know, it's not like it was a new guy in the building, but they were going to do everything they could to develop Pickens. And, you know, <clears throat> part of the problem was Pickens and Chase were really playing the same position. And then mm -hmm. they had to put 
Pickens in a position that really wasn't his natural position. And then, you know, some of the production went down. But I, you know, some of this I'm, I'm throwing darts at the wall because I don't know everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have never heard a negative thing. And I think I've stated that before. Now, you know, he did say something here. And within a couple of days, he was gone. He was down to Miami. Um, I know, you know, going back to that draft, that was one of your favorite players. Yeah, it was. And and actually, one of mine, too. And I was thinking, man, he's 238 pounds. The things you can do with him is like a move tight end. Yes. You know, um, but, hey. Didn't work out, and it's not the first time. It hasn't worked out for an NFL team. It's not just a Bears. You know, what I like is, is, and and it's one of the reasons – I like Ryan Pohl so much is like an oppressor. He took ownership. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That one, he gets flat out said that one. Yeah. He still eats away at me. Right. You, Jeff- you don't like making mistakes. Right. We know we're going to make mistakes. Okay. But, um, and, and you're gonna, you know, you're going to hear about it. And, and one of the reasons I, I, you know, went private on, on X for a little while and that'll change. I don't know how shortly, but soon, you know, people going, well, you drafted Cedric Benson and you drafted Rex. Well, fuck you. First of all, you know, I know what went on and, you know, somebody who doesn't have a name, doesn't have a face, they're going to, you know, throw this shit at me. No, I don't think so. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and you know that, I'm not afraid to, to to you know throw a punch back. I, mean, <laughs> I think sometimes you wake up ready to throw a punch. <laughs> yeah, I, I said I you know I, I grew up in Buffalo. You you you're, you 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 know it's probably like you know very similar to to Southside Chicago, man. You better you better be ready for a fight now. There you go. Jake wants to know if uh, Russell Wilson is a good comp to Caleb Williams, or is that the other way around? Caleb Williams to Russell Wilson. I, I don't, I, you know, I look at I, Caleb I, Williams. I, I, he's so strong looking. He's thick looking. I, I, nobody knows. I mean, he's never been measured, so we don't know right. exactly how big he is. Some people think he's six feet. Mm-hmm. I think um, USC had him like six one, six one and a half. I mean, we'll find out in another five weeks at the combine exactly how big he is. Mm-hmm. Um, he is put together. Uh, his game, as far as release, uh, throwing motion, throwing angles, being able to change his angles, very, very similar to Mahomes. I mean, he's probably as close to Mahomes as there's been since Patrick came into the NFL. My big thing, other than what I mentioned at the beginning of the show, is that, okay, he, he his tape last year and his tape the first half of this year is way up here. I mean, you're not arguing this guy is, you know, Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, and... And Patrick Mahomes, whatever. I mean, he's worthy of being number one. Okay, and then he gets to Notre Dame, 
Mm-hmm. And he doesn't have a bad game. He has an horrendous game. And he never recovered. Now, yeah, he had some games with some stats. But that's not recovering. You got to watch the game, game after game after game after game. He wasn't the same player. He became very, very tentative. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's where the decision making was was a lot slower. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just, you know, it's like, where what happened to the other guy? You know, is this an imposter playing right now? You know, and so to me, that's concerning. And I keep saying the same thing because I don't have the answer and I I don't have the ability to get the answer. You know, I got some friends who will eventually get it, but I don't have it is why. And until you get the answer to why you can't go in and say he's the be all end all because Mm -hmm. it happened to him. And part of it is, at least in my head, what I'm thinking is that there's, you know, can he handle adversity? This is might be the first time in his life he had a face an adverse situation and he flunked hmm. because he didn't recover. Well, is that going to happen? I mean, sitting on mommy's lap and crying for 10 minutes after a game. Have you ever seen a football player do that? Never in my life. But, okay, and I'm so, not. And, and, but that's what I'm saying. I mean, what's up here? Because with a quarterback more than any other position, and again, I'm emphasizing, I know what the talent is, the natural talent is, but more than any other position, it's about the intangibles. It's about from here up. Yeah, yeah. And you better be straight from here up or you're going to fail. And so, the, and, and, and here's the biggest thing. Let's say they give up on JF and say, okay, we're going to take this guy. Can you imagine if he doesn't make it, what it's going to be like? If it's me, if I'm still alive, then I'm going to say, hey, you motherfuckers wanted him. You got him. (laughs) Now deal with it. Oh, gosh. All right, back to our questions. We got a lot of them, so we'll try to get through some of these as many as possible. I shouldn't uh, have said that last word. I, I apologize. Oh, but. no. Don't worry about it. Uh, Mike asks, how many blue chip players are in this draft cycle? Have you gotten that far in your draft evaluation? It's generally like five or six per draft. Would you say there's five or six in this draft? I think it's a really good draft mm-hmm. to sit down and say he's a – Potential pro bowler. I mean, what's your definition of a blue chipper? My definition of a blue chipper is you win because of him. Okay. Okay. And a red chipper is you win with him. Either way, you're winning. Okay. Um, DJ Moore is you're winning because you have them on your team. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and sweat, Ted sweat. You're winning because you have him on your team. Those are, you know, uh, TJ Edwards, you're winning because, you know, those are blue chip players, Jalen Johnson. Okay. Now how many of those guys? Well, you know, three years from now, there could be a fourth round pick that, ends up being a, a, a blue chip player, you know, so, but I haven't gone into it. I've done 
over 300 players. I've done like 350, but some of them are, you know, for the people I do work for. Um, some of them are freshmen and sophomore for NIL situations. So, but it's, I haven't gotten in what, what I do now. And, and there's some guys I like, I haven't done a lot on the tight end class. Okay. And I, and I, I think there is a need, but not a need that you take a Bowers because mm-hmm. that's to me, that's a wasted pick, you know, for, for that player. Um, and not, again, not taking anything away from the player. It's how he would fit. He's number two here. Like right. it or not, he's number two. And so it, it's, I'm losing my train of thought here, but you, you, I get to the thing where I start watching guys back to back to back to back. Like I, I have already done with the receivers, right. the top receivers. Mm-hmm. And then it's easy to separate. And then I, and I think, you know, there's at least four and probably, no, actually five. There's a minimum of five really quality wide receivers in this draft that also go in the first round. Some will probably go later than they deserve to go mm-hmm. uh, just because of, of how, how they'll come off the board. But they're all really, really good receivers. Mm-hmm. Jordan is asking, uh, so basically a center guard or nose tackle can't be a blue chipper because you can't win because of those guys? Well, I think, you know, like a Jason Kelsey – you win because of him. Jason Kelsey was what, like a fifth round pick. You win because of him, right? Yeah. You you yeah. win because he's on your team. All right. Not win with him. There's I a think, difference. I think Jordan is misunderstanding what you said there. It's it's not, you know, it, it's not relegated to a position. There you can win with any one of the positions, but there's not going to be one player that you are solely going to win with. You're not going to no, win because you have one blue chipper was, at quarterback. All in, Kroots was a blue chip player. Mm-hmm. We won because he was on the team. Yeah, I'll, I'll repeat it. Win because of or win with? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense to you or yes, is it, it does. confusing? No, okay. I, so, I get it. So, and, and that's a definition that, that we had when I was working there, you know, when describing a player. You know, and then there's a guy, you know, you're saying he's he's a potential Pro Bowl All Pro player. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, well that goes without saying that that he's a blue chipper. But you want as many blues as you can get. But you're never gonna you're gonna have a lot more. We win with him than we win because of him. Mm-hmm. Type players on your team. Yeah. Yeah, and I go by the old uh, Joe Bushbaum, who was the guy that I read as a kid growing up, young adult, I should say. And, you know, he described the blue chipper as one of the top three guys or so at that position. And so so when he, he, when he would release his uh, big board via the Pro Football Weekly, that's what how he described blue chippers, you know, top three or so at the position. So everyone has a slightly different, uh, right. Uh, and, and, and every draft is different. 
you know, I mean, you can look money wise, you're getting paid by where you get drafted. Correct. Mm-hmm. You know, you're getting slotted, but that doesn't mean that the fourth pick in this year's draft is going to be as good, or he might be a lot better than the fourth pick in last year's draft. You know, mm-hmm. it's, and what's the strength and the weakness of the draft? Well, the top of the draft might not be quite as strong, but you get into, and I think I said this about last year, and, it, and it's proven pretty correctly mm-hmm. that the second round and into the third round was really going to be good last year, bottom That's of the right. third round. And it was. It and absolutely was. You could see that was one where the top of the draft wasn't necessarily <clears throat> stacked like other years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Cleveland White says, Greg, do you believe that the phones are ringing off the hook, as the Bears said in the press conference, in regard to offensive coordinator candidates? Yeah. All I know is that they, you know, one guy on the radio says they're not going to have any candidates. Who's going to want that job? Well, there's been five interviews now, and all of them, in my opinion, are A-list candidates. So what does that tell you? Right. You know, now, could there be, you know, an Aldo Gandhi out there who says, um, you know, calls uh, flus or calls, I, 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 you know, I can help you. I, I, I like to interview and they can say, no, but we don't want you. So yeah, that could be happening. That's exactly I mean, what they would say. <laughs> yeah. um, no, I mean, you're never going to know the answer to that. You're going right. to know the answer to who has publicly been identified mm-hmm. as a person that they put in a permission slip to interview. Now you don't have to put in a slip for Greg Roman because he's not working, but um, the other guys are all under contract. Now Liam Cohen's a different situation because he is, you know, I don't know exactly. I don't remember what the rules are with regard to a guy who's under contract to a college, whether you got, I think you can, I don't think you have to put in a permission slip. You just could say, we're, we're going to do it. Now what's also interesting about uh, Cohen is Ohio State is wants to interview him. You know, Ryan Day is the de facto. Brian Hartline has the, the, the title offensive coordinator, but Ryan Day is the offensive coordinator and the play mm-hmm. caller. And he's stepping down from that. He, you know, he said it at the end of the season he was going to. And it was just came out within the last couple of days that one of the guys they want to talk to is, is Liam Cohen. And I've heard nothing but really strong things about Liam Colm as a coach. All right. More questions here. Um, Greg, are you uh, with your ties Asked drew black with your ties to the bears? Isn't it possible that someone may be feeding you bad information about Caleb to perhaps throw the bears off his set? No, because they don't, first of all, I didn't get that information to turn around and give it to the bears. They called me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So they, I, I didn't expect that phone call to come. I'm getting that information from people I trust that I call about a lot of players, you know, and, mm-hmm. and say, you know, what's the story, especially if, um, you know, there's issues. That's what I want to know if, if everything's clean, it's clean. 
But if there's an issue, I want to know, what are you hearing? Yeah. You know, <laughs> is what I'm hearing now, all I'm saying is I pass that on. What I heard is a gospel. I, you know, I can't say it is. I can't say it isn't. It's what I was told. Okay. It's their job to do their own work and, and to do an extensive check, do extensive research to make sure that if they indeed draft this person, they're making the right decision. There cannot be any ifs, ands, or buts if he's going to be the first pick in the draft. you got to be 100% sold that this guy is the answer. Good stuff. Okay. Well, and but there there have been instances where agents and, and people are planting misinformation. And I think that's probably the 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 stem of that question. And I'm not saying that they would have used you, but it is somewhat of a common practice that some misinformation is put out there. Because you've even said it yourself. This is the lying season. <laughs> you right. Know? Right. But and the, the people I talk to in situations like this are people that I explicitly trust mm -hmm. that I know are going to give me a correct answer. Okay. And, or, or, you know, the best answer to what they know based on, on their own work. Um, I'm not going to ask an agent because I know the agent's trying to, <laughs> Sell right. the player, especially if he has the player. And by the way, speaking of agents, because I heard this. Again, it's one of these little, it's not a red flag. It might be an orange one. Or Caleb hasn't hired an agent. And he's going to be on record, as, and the dad's going to be on record. Oh, we're, doing it, we're doing it on our own. No, they mm -hmm. aren't. They're going to hire somebody, but they're not going to hire somebody until they have to hire somebody. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's just the drama. What, what the fuck do you need the drama for? Exactly. I'm with you 100%. <laughs> you know, it, 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 it's like holding out until the last day. Was he going to, is he coming out or is he? Of course he was coming out. But, you know, I got to make a big show of it. It's the last day. <laughs> Just in case. Well, he didn't even play in their bowl game. You know what he was doing. Yeah. He's already been working with a, a, a trainer. That's for a right. while it's not a surprise <laughs> you know it, you know just it's it's little stuff like that that when you've been doing this as long as i have you you look at those little things and go everything's not clicking here mm -hmm. i just mm -hmm. want to find out why and yeah. it does not mean you won't pull the trigger it means get the freaking answer there you go Jeff wants to know if there's a possibility the Bears might move down from both the one and nine pick and pick up extra first rounders next year. Another crack at quarterback if Fields doesn't work out. So, in other words, delaying the whole quarterback thing and strategically doing that by acquiring more first round draft picks next season. Well, I, I I I would think that with one. Somewhere along the line, they want to end up with another one next year. And, you know, hopefully it's going to put them in position because then they'd have two next year that if they don't do the quarterback route this year, that they can 
come back to the table again next year. They want to have the ammo to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a smart strategy. In saying that, I do believe they're going to draft a quarterback. I don't believe they're going to draft a quarterback with the first overall pick. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and do I believe that he could try to trade down twice? Yes. But you, you can want to do something. Last year, that's what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. He couldn't do it because the first team he was going to was Indy, and Indy didn't want to move up. They said, no, we'll stay here. I think I can get the guy I want here. And so, but in the perfect world, that's what he ideally would want to do. Right. But you've got to have a buyer to be able to do it. And if he's thinking, if his thinking is like last year, because very, I mean, it, it seldom happens that you trade the top pick in the draft way out like they did last year. I mean, that's, you know, that one kind of came from left field. But his answer to that and his reasoning to that was that I wanted it to help me in free agency. His plan was to get a player as part of the, the deal. Right, right. And then he would be <coughs> a step ahead in free agency. Because he'd already had acquired a player. <clears throat> so he could very well have the same thinking this year. And if he, you know, if he pulls the trigger on a trade before the 15th of March, that's because he, he knows he can get a player. Exactly. Good thinking. Uh, I got to squeeze this question in here because he's posted it a dozen times. He says, Greg, are you worried that these McVay West Coast systems don't work with Justin's skill set? You know, they require the quick release attacking intermediate area of the field, something Justin has struggled with, although he has seen flashes of it. What are your thoughts? I, I don't believe that. I believe that the poor guy was coaching. He designed the offense around the thing. You, the, the system – is a base. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you can deviate from the system. Right. To play to the strengths of your players. Okay. And I don't believe that that's the case. You know, I, I, um, like I said, I was, you know, I was ready. I was in that line ready to put up the white flag and say, I don't think he can do it until I, I, I studied it further. And I came back, no, it wasn't him. It's the people that were coaching him. And, you know, who got fired? Who was underachieving all year? The wide receiver group, except for DJ Moore, the quarterback, and the offense as a whole. Who's gone? Wide receiver coach, quarterback coach, offensive coordinator. I think we know the answer to that. Um, you want to respond to this, uh, Greg? This guy is saying you should keep your mouth shut to the public if you're going to hurt a 22 year old's reputation on hearsay. That's bullshit. What's hearsay? These people have, have, have gone in and, and done their research. What's the hearsay? Mm-hmm. It's the information I have. Okay. Now, have I said exactly what it is? No. I said there's issues, correct or, or incorrect? That's what you said. Okay. I have not said exactly what those are, and nor will I. 
hope that answers your question. Uh, I lost your name there. All right, uh, another uh, kind of a controversial thing here. Jordan says that you had a tough week, Cliff got fired, and that you were taken to Pound Town by Coleman and Spielberger. I don't know anything about this. You want to respond to this? Uh, Coleman, I, 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 I never even heard of this fucking Coleman guy in, in, until the other day. I guess he's a you know a YouTuber. Yeah, popular. You know, YouTuber. I wasn't taking it. He, he tried to do, you talk down to people. I just said, I sent him a text back. I said, you know what? I never heard of you, and in five minutes, I'm never going to hear from you again. Bye, you know. <laughs> who is he? I don't care who he is, and he might have a hundred. He has a hundred thousand followers. So what? What, what? What's his resume? What's his real resume? Okay, so you know, if if I'll laugh at people like that because you know they're they're, they're make believe. Self-proclaimed, I'm an expert. They have no skins on the wall. Mm-hmm. If he was as good as he said he would, why isn't he working in the league? Because he's only what, twenty-something years old, thirty-two years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I don't know that. I have seen a couple of his episodes. He's he's he does a, a nice job of breaking down some tape. And I have stuff. not watched one episode, nor will I ever. Yeah. I'm- Looking up his ex account, creator of the film room on YouTube and co-host of the Bootleg Football Podcast. Uh, somebody wrote on on chat uh, in our chat room here that he works for the NFL. Doesn't look like that, according to his bio. No, he does not work for the on NFL. X. Yeah. Uh, the, and what's, you know what's thing? funny? I said to him. I said to him. I said in 1984, I started working for the Giants. Mm-hmm. Bill Parcells said to me, "I am going to," and you know he put it in Bill Parcells terms. I'm going to challenge every fucking word you said. And you better be right. And you, and then you better turn around and challenge me. And why did Bill do that? Bill did that. And George Young was the same way. So this is how I was brought up in the business is that you better be real strong with your convictions and you better be able to sell me. Bill wanted you to sell him every single player. And you couldn't sell him by saying, well, he's pretty good, Bill. You know, he's, he's going to slap the shit out of you for saying that. You know, and, <laughs> and, and then, you know, you, you got to have strong convictions. I have very strong convictions. It's the way I've been brought up in the business. I'm not changing. I'm going to be 73 years old in a couple months. I am who I am. If you don't like it, don't listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. J2K, uh, very knowledgeable about these things, says he, uh, Coleman worked for the NFL media in the past. He was an editor. He watched oh, wow. A ton of that football. says a lot. <laughs> he watched a ton of football, was never on a college or an NFL team. He's a good guy, in his opinion. Um, well, what about the Spielberger thing? Is that, I, I, I might be mispronouncing his name. No, no, it was. And, 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 and trust me. I, Brett and I got a really good relationship. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, since then, you know, he was like, but Brad is who Brad is. Brad is a damn good cap specialist. Mm-hmm. And so he was saying, but the stuff, you know, about the quarterback, this, this, and I go, well, how do you know that? Well, that's what I thought. I go, well, do you know what you're watching? Which is a fair question. 
Absolutely. Because I know exactly, you know, I know what he is. And I said to him, I said, I'm not going to challenge you about anything having to do with the cap because I know you know. Mm. But, you know, since then, you know, I go in my phone, but we're using it here. We must have had 30 DMs between the two of us where I've passed on to him the information. We got a good relationship. But remember, I said, I'm going to challenge. If, and, and, you know, I'm going to make him better by challenging him. Don't just throw I'm going to challenge Jacob and Fani, who I work with at Windy City Gridiron. Yeah. I think that's what people need to uh, appreciate or consider is the word uh, context. You know, uh, I think a lot of us on social media are very quick to react to what somebody has posted and not really step back in context. I can't tell you how many times I've thought about, you know, over the last year or two, I thought, should I post this? Nah, no, I've probably uh, gotten rid of a uh, uh, hundred posts that I thought might, you know, be of interest. But then I yeah, said, no, Brad, oh. you know, and for the record, and Brad would say the same thing. I know. Yeah. I mean, I've talked to Brad when I was doing that work for the bears with the workman's comp. I needed some older contract information and cliff was on vacation or something, you know, just for what was the minimum salary, blah, blah, blah. And, and some other, and he had, he has access to some of that stuff that I didn't have access to. I call him. I got the information because I know that's what he's real good at. Okay. I'm sorry to interrupt Perlismo writes. I'm gonna slap the I'm with Greg. I'm gonna slap the shit out of the next person who talks about Justin's processing when they can't even identify a coverage correctly. <laughs> uh yeah, you know, I, I, I let's talk about something else here. Last few minutes here. Let me squeeze in some questions. I we got a lot of them. We won't be able to get to all of them. Um three points. Five, Houston, Aldo, please ask Greg, how did he know JF1 will be here for sure? And Greg, you never say he's going to be here for sure. That, that was just your opinion, right? My gut feeling from everything they've said. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. You know, one thing that experience gives you is you learn how to read between the lines. Mm-hmm. Are they saying what they're saying or are they, is there a little code in there? Yeah, yeah. And you got to be able to read that. And that's what, you know, listening to everything, and I do listen, that's what it tells me. Mm-hmm. It, it's like, you know, we go back during the season, and Ryan had that impromptu presser about how Flus was writing the ship and everything. And then we talked about it. He's here. He ain't going anywhere. That was that was his way of saying it. Got it. Got it. Uh, you know, and sometimes I do that, and I'm wrong. <laughs> but uh, when you do it, you're probably right. Peter asks, Greg, in your opinion, and solely your opinion, if we were to keep Justin Fields, the, who is the best offensive coordinator to match with him? And if we move on to Caleb Williams, well, who's the best offensive coordinator that you would match with him? I can't answer that because I don't – I haven't sat down with these people <coughs> mm-hmm. and had conversations with them. Right. 
You don't know for sure how they would treat, like for instance, a, a Greg Roman. You don't know for sure how they would work with a Caleb. Right. Okay. You know, or, or, or even work with a, a JF. Mm -hmm. I, based on their pedigrees, their resumes, however you want to call it, mm -hmm. the five names that have been publicly mentioned are all excellent names. Mm -hmm. I would not feel bad about any of those guys. Report it this way. I wouldn't question the hire of any of them. Yeah, I, I sort of feel that way too from a superficial knowledge of these guys. Uh, Mike Ibsen says, Greg, Daniel Jeremiah put out a video talking about the expense of keeping Justin versus drafting a quarterback, uh, inputting, you know, Daniel Jones's money to Justin Fields. And over three years, it would be $120 million to keep Justin and $38 million to draft a quarterback at number one. This is a big reason that I would move on. What are your thoughts about uh, Jeremiah's cost? I disagree with Daniel and, and you know, we've had Daniel on the show and he's, yes, a, he's a friend and, and a good guy and he's very good at what he does. That's his opinion. Mm -hmm. And here's why I disagree. People are under the assumption that you have to extend. If you keep them next year, you got to extend them. Why? Exactly. You don't Where's the rule that says you got to extend them. Okay, and especially if they trade down and they get another one next year. Mm -hmm. And or if they we don't know what's going to happen, if they draft another quarterback. Who's in the freaking playoffs this year with the best team in football? The last pick in the draft. Mm -hmm. How many first pick in the drafts have, have quarterbacks have busted? Besides a whole bunch. More have busted than have not busted. <laughs> yeah. That that's fact. I mean, we're, we're not throwing darts at a wall here. The but you've got the fourth year contract. You can always tag him for the fifth year, exactly. If you so desire, or if he plays. What what happened with Daniel Jones mm -hmm. is Daniel Jones. They got a new coach and Dable's pretty good offensive coach. He got the best out of Daniel Jones. He had by far his best season and really played. That gave Daniel Jones a lot of leverage because they had nobody else. That same thing could happen with Justin next year. He could play his ass off. Well, if he did play his ass off and the Bears got in the playoffs, Who's going to be pissed off if you give him an extension? You, you're, sooner or later, you're going to have to pay a guy. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and what is, and, and conversely, is there a guarantee that if you draft Drake May or Caleb or, or Daniels or whatever, that they're going to be the answer? Mm -hmm. There isn't. We know that. You hope they're going to be, but you don't know it. Exactly. Exactly. There are no guarantees in any of this. And so um, if you stick with Justin Fields for his fourth year, you don't have to make a decision on the extension, the fifth year. You can bypass that. And you, you, you Put it this way. If they hold on to him 
I'd almost be willing to bet they don't pick up the fifth year option. Yeah, I, I, I was I was gonna I was actually thinking about that. That's a great, great point. Why would you? You don't have to. Right. There's no law that says you have to. You don't have to. Right. Earn it, Jack. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, we saw it happen. I think we, we saw it happen with a uh, with uh, Daniel Jones, the Giants. Yeah, that, not- that's right. That's what we're talking about. But he and he played his ass off. Yeah, indeed. he got the Giants, and, and but you know what? It still ended up. I mean, he he got hurt this year, but he wasn't playing good before then. Um, you know, might end up being a bad deal, but you know, I, I I'd take JF over Jones any day of the week. Absolutely. Herbert uh, wants you to entertain a scenario where they keep Justin Fields and draft a developmental quarterback later in the draft, may allow them a trade down, wide receiver, round one edge, and still get a future quarterback. A lot of people have been talking about this, Greg. Draft a quarterback in the second round, acquire a second round pick, and pick up, you know, a J.J. McCarthy. J.J. could go go in the first, but, yeah, no, that is a – I don't think he's a lock. Right. In fact, I, I might have said this to you. The guy we're, we're, we're talking about that game too, and he goes, um, he said, you know, I well, let me back up a little bit. We're having the conversation. I go, what do you think of him? And he said he likes him. He goes, but you know what? They got a freaking offensive line coach calling the plays there, and he calls it calls plays like he's an offensive line coach, and so you you don't see. Him being able to do some of the things you'd love to see him do, yeah, through absolutely no fault of his own, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So, and I, and I think good foot, football people will see that. Now, there's one thing I do know about JJ from the research is that, and, and the same thing with Drake May. Family, character, personality—they're all up here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All things that have to be considered. Uh, we have gone an hour and 40 minutes. I'm going to toss one last one at you. Yeah, you always say that, and then there's some more. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm losing my phone here. Uh, yeah. Let's go Let's go with Jimmy. Uh, when the McCaskies hire personnel, do they consider the financial aspect as top priority on the hire instead of resume? No. That's Jimmy's question. No, not at all. Uh, first of all, the agents negotiating the – the, the the candidate isn't even negotiating his contract. The agent is. And the agent's doing it based on, you know, just like there's a market for um, different players at different positions, there's a market for head coaches and, and GMs. Mm-hmm. And the agent's going in. He knows that market. He knows what guys are getting. He knows what first-year GMs are getting. And what kind of contract they deal, how long the thing is. And that's that's what the, the rate is. Yes. Yes. All right. Lots of great questions that we didn't get to, but we will. We will in the coming weeks. Some of those questions were about, uh, you know, your opinion on certain players and so forth. Greg and I are going to organize thoughts and methodically start spreading out information over the next several show, shows, next several weeks. Yeah, we so want to the- have some really good content going into the combine Mm -hmm. then free agency we can talk about a lot of things that happen at the combine you know behind the scene type things um then 
same thing with free agency. You know, it's funny because I was thinking about this just the other day. Mm-hmm. All the names that were supposedly tied to the Bears and free agency, mm-hmm. how many ended up being here besides none? <laughs> none. <laughs> besides none, none. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's what you hear uh-huh. and what is real are two different things. Yeah. And, you know, I remember in, in some conversations I had, with Ryan and text conversations, not vocal, you know, and, and I said, well, you know, about a certain player and I, I don't want to mention the name. And I said, well, I thought there was interest here. He goes, well, media said there was interest, you know, and, and he goes, I had an interest to a certain point And that mm-hmm. certain point was a certain dollar figure. And once it went above that dollar figure, I lost interest. And so that's, you know, he's, he's got, and, and the one thing, I, you know, I think it's, it's been publicly said, so I can say it, you know, one is, is McGlinchey. And as it turned out, it ended up being the right thing. I had no problem with the average, which was, I don't know, 17, 17 and a half. He goes, but I had a problem with the guarantees. Okay. So, and the guarantees come back and haunt you, especially if the player doesn't play up to, what's anticipated or what's as, as expected. And and then he said, you know, we said when, when it got like that, we just said, screw it. We're going to, I'll just draft one. And you knew right then and there that that's what he was doing in the first round, right. that that was his focus, but he didn't now, he didn't make up his mind on who that player was mm-hmm. until they worked out all these guys. And that was, you know, the, the workout with, with Wright was, two, two and a half weeks before the draft, you know, then, then they focus. This is, this is the guy. It wasn't going to be Paris Johnson. It wasn't going to be, you know, that's the guy they, they ultimately wanted. And they knew that being that he was predominantly a right tackle that they could get him at nine. Mm-hmm. And then they even traded down. And then one other thing, you know, because there's people who complain they didn't take Jalen Carter and Jalen Carter. I, I, I posted this last night. Jalen Carter started off the season really strong. So, of course, there's people that say, oh, say they should have taken him. Did you watch Jalen Carter the last six or seven weeks where the Eagles died? He was just a guy on the field. You know who played a lot better than him down the stretch? Gravon Dexter. And it isn't even close. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, and you're not the first person I've heard say that. So uh, I totally agree. Car- and I'll go back to this. Why is it? He's got character issues. Yeah, right. And, you know, that veteran locker room for the Eagles was supposed to help with those character issues. Well, that the way the Eagles played the last five, six weeks. I've never season, seen a team like that, that loaded. Ooh, man. I, Just dive like, dive like, wow, it's crazy. And yeah. they had... You know, one of the reasons why I thought Carter, you know, was a good fit for them is because they had Fletcher Cox mm-hmm. and and Graham, you know, defensive end, defensive tackle, longtime veterans who were the heart and soul of that locker room, you know, and, and strong leaders, very well respected. So they, you know, they can slap Carter around and keep him in line. But as the team started to go south, uh Carter went south too because you know he's got front runner in him. 
And so, you know, when, when the team passes because of issues, trust me, they're not being stupid. They know what they're doing. I know we all think we're smarter than them. No, we're not. They've got 10,000 times more information than we'll ever think about having. There you go. And that means a lot. All right, Greg, I'm going to stand by. You and I are going to talk about something briefly. I want to thank everyone who has joined us live. Again, outstanding, outstanding. And let other people know what we're doing. Greg and I are scheduled to be back next Tuesday, but the best way to keep track of our schedule is to subscribe to our YouTube channel or subscribe to uh, the Barroom Network's audio podcast. Hey, if I'll, I'll throw in a little plug if, you, if anybody listens to Olin and Oh, yes. I'm going to yes. be on with them tomorrow. All so, right. And is that a, a live? segment anyway. Okay. Is that live or released? Uh, I after? think they release it after they record it. Okay. I know we're recording it in the morning. I think, you know, Jason does all the stuff and releases it later. Yeah. We'll uh, let everybody know through our social media context. And uh, people are saying that they are so happy you are not leaving X and uh i'm not leaving i'm just keeping it private for a while i you know for my you know what's funny about that you got you know if somebody wants to follow you they got to ask yes okay so which before you they just follow you and you don't know well you know what every person who asks i look at what they post Mm -hmm. and what they reply and if i don't like them i don't i don't take it on Follow my buddy Joe Treviso. He uh, he's a big fan of yours. Uh, all right, everybody. Uh, we'll see you tonight here at eight o'clock. Dan Aguirre, Johnny Santucci, and Chris Watts is going to give us the lowdown on the Bears' trip to London. For Greg Gabriel, I am Aldo Gandia. We'll see you all next see you time. Later.